The following audio is from Gold Country Baptist Church in Shingle Springs, California. Visit gcb.church to find more resources and to learn about our church. Women of the Word, October 22nd, 2023. Anger Hidden in the Heart, Part 1. There you go. Thank you. Um, So I was constantly feeling these feelings of overwhelmingness and and just stress, and I didn't know where it was coming from. And I would pray and pray and pray. And I thought, well, it's anxiety, like, but I'm not worried about anything. Like, I, I, I really, I feel like I do have, not so like I never worry about anything, but I feel like I have a really good grasp on the sovereignty of God because we're at a really solid teaching church, incredibly blessed by sisters in Christ and brothers in Christ that remind me of that truth. We've been through, my husband and I have been through a lot of loss, um, a lot of just, you know, different trials, and God has grown us in that. And so I was like, I just don't feel like that, that is it. But I got to a place in my life at home where there was like this cloud, and I just knew that it wasn't right. We're children of light. We're not supposed to continue to walk in a cloud. Sometimes God keeps us there, like the, the thorn in the flesh, but we're not supposed to stay there, and we're supposed to be seeking the way out of that, right? And so I was just, I got to a place where I was so sick and tired of just knowing that there could be more peace in our home, and I just called out to God and asked him, will you, Lord, please reveal to me what this is? Because it's exhausting having that feeling constantly. And he was gracious, and he used a sister in my life to say, you know what, I think you're, I think you're stressed out. And I was like, this is what I've learned to say. I will consider that. I didn't want to write her off because I, she could be right. And you know what? She was right. And so when people bring something to me, I try really hard to say, I will consider that. And I'm so grateful that she did and that she's willing to say that because my immediate thought was my children. I love my children. I know that all of you know that. Um, but they were a st- source of stress in my life. And I don't think I'm the only woman on the planet that would say that. Um, but I knew it wasn't right. It didn't need to say that, right? I knew it was me. So God was revealing something in me. So it wasn't my children. I can't send them away. I can't send my husband away. And I'm convinced that even if I was the only person in the house, I would still have a sin issue. Because it's not them. The problem is me. And so um, God had convicted me through when we went to account. There's just all these pieces. I'm not going to explain all the pieces. But he had convicted me in a moment. We were at a biblical counseling conference. And the gentleman, he wasn't even talking about anger. This is the crazy part to me. It just came up. I think he was talking about homework (laughs) to give to counselees. And somehow this came up. And he said, why is it okay that we're okay with a little bit of gossip, a little bit of anger, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but not a little bit of adultery? Why are we not okay with that? And he said, God's word says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And in that moment, I realized my sin. I realized I was angry at my children. And it still took me a little while to work out where that root cause was, and we'll talk about root causes. And it wasn't like I was yelling all the time, and that's the thing. I think that we think that the world looks like this, and they're exploding and all that, and we're 
and a church that teaches well, and so maybe we're not exploding anymore, and so we become desensitized, and we stop thinking about, oh, maybe I have an anger problem. And so I realized, even though I wasn't yelling, not that I never yelled, um, but most of the time it didn't get there. It was just this overwhelming feeling, and for me, I realized, by God's grace, it was control. I wanted my children to obey the way that I wanted them to obey, when I wanted them to obey. I'm sure none of you ever had this feeling before. (laughs) And they weren't doing it. They were ruining my agenda. My agenda. How dare them. So they became little, um, yeah, they were just in my way. And so, by God's grace, he allowed me to see that and my need to change. And he did, through his word. And then um, the gentleman um, had mentioned this book, and so then I picked it up and read it, and I have since then told everybody that they need to read it. And they do. You do. You do need to read it. Um, And so that's kind of where it came from, is just God piecing those things together. And so my prayer is just that you would, again, not write off that you're not angry, but maybe consider where we've minimized that in our lives, because I think that... I honestly am convinced, and I'm not the only one, it was said again this weekend as they were talking about anger at the biblical counseling conference, that we minimize this sin, and we as Christians need to grow in holiness until we meet Christ, right, where we will be perfected. And so the idea is that we're continuing to grow, and so as we're refining, we're working more and more. Like maybe we start with these big sins. And then maybe it's kind of, not that it's less of a sin, because sin is sin, big, small, any sin, it's all sin, but that we continue to grow. And so now we're working on things that maybe aren't as heavy-handed um, and smaller. And so maybe you were screaming, so maybe now it's not so much screaming, but there's still anger. So we're going to talk about different words that we use for anger. Um, so again, my prayer, have, has anyone ever read Respectful Sins? Okay, I can't, is it Jerry Bridges that wrote that? I can't remember who wrote it. Jerry Bridges? I remember before I had children, I read that book. I thought it was doing really good. Um, and so it's kind of the idea that if you haven't picked up that book, it's a really good one. It talks about anger. It talks about all these kind of sins that we kind of sweep under the rug and pretend like they're not there in our lives. And I need to pick up that book again now that I have children because um, there was a – I'm sure some of you have heard this analogy that as parents – and then being married, like, we get thrown into this rock tumbler. And now the more children you add, and you can't add any more spouses. But you have your spouse, you have your children, and the more children you add, and you're all these rocks. And God has used that institution as family to refine us. But it doesn't mean that it's not hard. And so we're all in this rock tumbler together. So my prayer is that you would pray and deeply consider how, where this has manifested in your life. And what God wants to put, wants you to put away so you can recognize, sorry, so you can grow and become more like him. Um, so, again, the primary book I used was this book by Dr. Wayne uh, Mack. And a huge help. Um, Maureen also gave me some other resources that were really helpful, too. And so I used some of this and some of what we're going to talk about. You guys have heard Jim Neuhauser. He was here several years ago. Neuhauser. Um, help. Um, my anger is out of control. That's what he wrote. And this is, this is nice because it's small, but it's very um, concise and, and very helpful. Um, another one is, I did not read this whole thing, but I did pull parts from this. Um, this is by Jay Adams, another big, um, he's like, isn't he kind of the founder of 
yeah, of biblical counseling. What do you do when anger gets the upper hand? Um, and then living with an angry spouse and kind of and how to work through that. Um, I kind of briefly went through this, but this was um, helpful. So not that we always have to work with ourselves, right? That's where we start. But we're also helping others work through things too. So before we go on to anger, like really get into anger, I wanted to talk about the heart because it's important for us to know where sin comes from. And so let's turn to James 4, 1 through 2. Can anyone read that for me? I can read it. Okay. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Okay, so where does our sin come from? Why do we quarrel and fight with each other? Passions of what? Within us. Within us, right? Our heart. I mean, you already said it. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it, and if we don't get it, we're mad. You know, if we're willing to fight to get it, it's sin. Yeah. Jay Adams in Competence Council says, we do what we do because we want what we want. And Tara reminded me um, that it's not only that we want what we want, but sometimes we have something we don't want. And so we have to release that too. Um, Luther, I think he means Martin Luther. He just said Luther on this podcast I was listening to. What's the name of that podcast again, the Bible counseling one? Truth and Love. Truth and Love. And he quoted Luther, so again, I'm assuming he means Martin Luther. He just said Luther, and it says, he said, when a good thing becomes the ultimate thing, it becomes a wicked thing. So even wanting something that's good for us, um, but wanting it too much and holding too tightly can become sin in our lives. Let's look at Proverbs 4.23. Who can read that for me? Yeah, Liz? 4.23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, vigilance from, or for from it flows the springs of life. Right. So we have to guard what comes into our hearts, whether it's something that we see, whether it's something that we hear, whether it's a situation, and we have to read it correctly. Because oftentimes anger starts where we just aren't perceiving something correctly, right? Like we we are in no. We are fallible. God is infallible. And so, um, all right, let's read Mark 21 through, sorry, Mark 7, 21 through 20. Anyone have that? For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. So we keep going. Sure. Coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So it's not outside, right? It's not my kids. It's not my husband. It's not my family. Where does it come from? Again, within, right? Um, last one on this part, uh, but this one kind of describes the um, the fruit the tree the sorry the root and fruit um, that we're going to talk about 
um, in Matthew 12, 33 through 35. Can someone get that for me? Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. Okay. So in this situation, I believe he's talking to the Pharisees, and so the reason why he was mad at the Pharisees wasn't so much because they weren't doing good things. It was the motive in which they were doing them. They were doing them with the wrong motive. And, and, and then they thought they were just like the best people on the planet. And how dare Jesus instruct them on what is right. Um, and so it says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this is the idea where we get, so again, talks about how it is inside a person, so it's in our hearts that sin comes from. And so uh, biblical counselors will often use um, this analogy of the, this is where this comes from, from this verse. And they'll talk about root causes. So you have roots down here. Um, and it's important to know the root causes of things. And we can have, as this talks about, we can have good fruit and we can have bad fruit, right? And so for me... And it took, it honestly took a while for me to figure out where this came from. Um, I was having, my fruit was being displayed as anger and anxiety. The IET. I used to teach third grade, but don't remember much fun. Okay. (laughs) We survived, though. It was good. All right. Um, And so these were some of the symptoms that were coming out of, of my heart and so I needed to identify where that was coming from what was causing what wrong desires were causing the rotten wrong fruit in my life because we can also have good heart attitudes right that Christ gives us and we can produce good fruit like joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness right Um, when our anger causes us to not be exhibiting those things that's where we need to check our lives and so for me, it was control. I was um, wanting, like I said, my kids to do what I wanted them to do when I wanted them to. Now I know they're sinners. I know they're not going to perfectly obey me, but they were still in my way. And so, um, well, so I was controlling, which was causing anxiety, which was causing a feeling of overwhelmingness in my life, which led me to be angry towards them. It was more um, like an annoyance. Like I was just like this bubbling, like I don't know if you do that one more time. I might just, my head might pop off. Like I wasn't, um, it wasn't most of the time, again, it wasn't explosive. It was just this continual annoyance and overwhelmingness. Even, I'm going to be honest with you, even to the point where my husband said to me one time, do you realize that you often tell us you want to run away? I was saying that so much, I didn't even know I was saying it out loud. That's a problem. Because <laughs> it wasn't because I actually wanted to run. I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know where it was coming from. And that's really heavy. And it wasn't like I, was, I wasn't hiding. I wasn't, I was seeking answers. Just for some reason, God allowed me to sit here for a while. 
And sometimes I think that's just so we can help other people, so that we can walk humbly. So then I wasn't like, I got that one figured out, right? It was like, no, I had to sit there for a while, and it stunk. It was hard. It was awful. It makes me sad that I treated my kids that way. And not that I don't get there sometimes, but it's different. And I can't, I can't tell you how much it's changed. If a good example is I have a, a you know, I have, like, the cutest kids on the planet, but they, um, my middle one is so much fun. And my, my mother kept saying to me, Andrea Hughes, that's my real name in case none of you knew that. Um, that's what she calls me. She's, it's, anyways. Um, she, every time she sees him, she would tell me how cute he is. And I'm like, Grandma, I am sure thankful you think he's cute because most days. I, and I started telling, I literally started telling myself how cute, like, Grandma thinks you're cute when I was mad at him. I'd say, Grandma thinks you're cute. Grandma thinks you're cute. Grandma thinks you're cute. Because <laughs> I just needed to be thankful for him because there was days where I was really not thankful for him. And God and his graciousness helped me to see that what was happening, because he would be like Jack on high. Like one day he would be like, I love you, Mommy. You're the best thing on the planet. Of course, Mommy. I will obey you to a T. You're amazing. And then other days it would be like, Rah! like seriously, like I did not know what to do with tantrum. And I didn't know where it was coming from. Like how is he like this sweet little bundle of joy one day? And how is he like the next, I mean, I know he's a child. But I realized it was me. It was because I was unpredictable in my actions towards him that spurred his anger. And again, he's responsible for his own actions. But I sure am responsible as his mother to be an example of him and how to respond to other people. I'm sure none of this has happened to you either. <laughs> but do you ever hear your kids, like, yelling at each other or, you know, biting at Not, like, literally biting, but just, like, biting at each other. Um, I don't know, throwing things at each other. I have boys, so things get thrown. Um, not that that doesn't happen with girls. I'm sure those things happen too. But, um, and then I realized, wait a second. I said that to you last week. And it's like, hmm. we, we are models in the home of peace and joy and love and patience and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. I was not having self-control. And um, I needed to. And therefore, my little boy was not exhibiting the self-control because, I mean, again, it was his sin, but I was not um, being a good example of that. So, I'm so thankful to God that he helped me to see that I was wanting to control them. And so, what, my, what happened was, is he helped me to see. Now, I knew that we are not after behaviorism, right? Like, we're taught that here. We're not after behaviorism in children. Like, do this, do that. It's not formulaic. We know that it's at the heart, right? We're, when they're little, we're training them, and as they get older, we're speaking to their heart. I knew that on the outside, but I did not realize that my actions were still very behavior modest, and like I just, I didn't really know what to do with that. So God used this to show me that that's really what I was doing, and so now He helped me to see that my job isn't to modify their behavior. It's not to make them obey a certain way. My job is to be a faithful parent in training them and disciplining them and loving them. That's it. I can't save them, which I know, but I can't save them. I can't do anything apart from that. And some are going to be a little bit longer on the train of figuring out self-control. Some are going to get it a little bit sooner. They're all going to have their own issues, just like we do. 
And so that is how God was able to flip that. Why is this important? This is important because if we don't correctly identify the root causes, we're going to have a really hard time figuring out how to put off. These are the things we're going to put off, right? Um, If we cannot correctly identify, we cannot correctly put off. Um, So the, the whole idea of you put off something and you renew your mind with God's word, so then you can put on, Paul talks about that, put on right behavior, right? Put on right actions. And so we confront, we self-confront the root issue. Then we self-counsel. And then was last one self-correct, I think it was. So then we, we do need to change our behavior. It's not like we just go, okay, well, now I know. And then we don't do anything about the actions. We actually need to put off those actions. Yeah. Yes. So just to kind of make the link too, though, is like if we're seeing a lot of disrespect or anger coming out of our kids, yeah. like we are told not to provoke our children to anger. And so yeah. sometimes starting with, you know, I was asking one of my kids to do something, you know, as simple as like, make sure you clean up your breakfast because it's yeah. not done until that's all put in the dishwasher. Right. And then... But not making sure that it got done in that moment and yeah. going about my business. Because yeah. my kids are older. I figured they can figure it out. Right. And then by the time I'd given them three, this one, three simple instructions and none of them have been done, I'm like, oh, wait, i got to circle the wagons. And I would go back to the first thing, like, not in anger, yeah. but I would go back to the first thing, and then you need to do that, which I already asked you to do. And then remember, that needs to be done that I asked you to do. Right. And he explodes, like, you're giving me too many things to do. Actually, I gave them to you one at a time over a number of hours. But, right. But I had to go back and go, okay, I need to give them one at a time again, and now yeah. stay and inspect what I had asked to be done. Right. Um, and so I wasn't angry, but I was provoking him to anger because he thought it was three new things all right. at the same moment. And You're like, nope. So just to, you know, slow myself down a little bit. Yeah. And realize that he needed me to approach it a different way and, and yeah. build up to three things at one time. Right. And that's where we can, like, this is the put on. This is right after this verse, right? <laughs> to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Did I write the whole verse? I think maybe another um, translation says compassionate, which is what she was doing. She was being compassionate to her child, understanding that she potentially provoked her child. And so we can take a step back and be gracious, understand they're just children. And just, I mean, we would really want the same treatment, right? And think about our husbands. Like, we get upset with them because they're not talking to us rightly. And, um, you know, because we have these perceived rights. And our children, the same thing. Like we can be those examples of not, you know, provoking them for sure. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so, all right. So there's our tree. So my hope is that as you think about anger, what anger is, that you'll think about where your, yours isn't necessarily going to be the same as mine, but that's where mine was coming from, was control. And so whenever we have the, this can be with anything. It doesn't have to be with anger and anxiety and these things. It could be, um, you know, whatever the, the, the situation is. But again, the importance is, is that if you don't correctly identify this, you can't correctly put off. And then you can kind of be stuck in this cycle of going, I have no clue what's going on. Um, and ask a friend. Because sometimes it's just, you know, a close sister that you trust. Ask her to pray for you to identify, you know, that God would help you identify what is going on, what are some root causes. Um, so, let's see, where am I? And I was thinking about control, like, because I struggle with the same thing. I, it's, you know, if we go even deeper than that, it's, right, it's, um, we want to be sovereign over our own life. Yeah. Right? We want to we be the 
pride. Right? Yeah. And and we're not getting that. Right. In our minds, what we think we deserve, what we think it should be like. um, Yeah. And it just all stems from pride, which is probably the root of everything, right? Totally. Absolutely. Um, Isn't God good that he wants us to figure these things out? I was reading a book called Anger of the Heart. I think that's the title by Louis Prelio. Is that his last the name? Heart of Anger. Heart of Priolo. Anger. Thank you. Priolo. 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 Okay. And he actually has a teen companion book to that now. If you have angry teenagers, <laughs> you can just hand it off. So there you read go. it with them. Because there's a chapter on how they can then confront you in your sin. So you want to see that one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that will be fun. That will oh, be yeah. fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk about sanctification. Um. But I was one of the things that was really encouraging, and I haven't read the whole book, I just started it, um, was that he said God wants you to have the wisdom to deal with your sin and to deal with your children. Like, he's not, he doesn't want us to be in the dark about these things. That's why he gives us a, a very large book to know him and to know how he wants us to live. And, and James talks about that, that he, he, you know, we ask because we don't have, and we, and we sometimes we mix up these two verses, but the idea is that, he wants us to ask for wisdom, and he freely gives that to us. And um, and then also what's great about that book, too, is it talks about, it first starts with parents. It says, hey, if, if your child is exhibiting anger, are there maybe maybe some things that you're doing that are causing, you know, some of those things to take place? So that's, it is a really great book, too. Um, all right, so let's get into, before it says, on the pod, that podcast I was talking about, Truth and Love, when asked how common is the struggle with anger, so I told you I'm not the only one saying this this morning, with anger, Robert Jones, a certified biblical counselor, said, it happens more than we would wish it to admit. We would wish to admit. I would say the ratio is one in every one person. And if you're married, it doubles. And if you have children, it multiplies. So there you have it. We all struggle with anger in some form or another. And as God's word says, even if it's, even if this person's blowing up and maybe I'm better than that person, which we're not, because sin is sin, sin is sin, and we're to get all of it out. We're to root it out. So, what God says about our wrong anger. He says, you have heard, this is, oh, I don't, I don't know what I said, the reference, sorry. You, probably, I think it's in the Gospels. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hellfire. What is he saying there about anger? And it's murder. It leads to murder in the heart. Yeah, in the heart, right? So he, again, he's not Jesus speaking. He's not just talking about because the Pharisees again were just like, oh, well, I don't murder. He's like, yeah, but you, um, it's in your heart. That's where it's coming from. So sin is not just about our actions, but it's our thoughts as well. What is what's reference? Matthew five twenty one to. 22. Okay. Matthew 25? No, 5. 5, 22 through 25. Matthew 5, 21, 22. There you go, what she said. (laughs) 
Sin is not just about our actions, like I said, but is our thoughts as well. So it's a big deal to be angry with someone. He doesn't take it lightly. And again, it starts in the heart. Jesus deals with the heart. None of us get out of this. The word picture here, he equates it to murder, which tells us that it's a big deal. Um, all right, so what is anger? What I so appreciate about the counseling conference that we went to is that they kept using biblical terms. I did not realize, I, so I went, my background is I went to Sac State, I, I was a child development major, I became a teacher, got my credential. There was some psychology in there. It wasn't as heavy as if I was just in psychology. Some of it was actual, like, physical development and speech language and stuff like that. Um, but I had no clue, like, he, some of the things that they were sharing, like, just, like, phrases that we use in our day-to-day, how much of that comes from psychology. If you're in um, a state school or whatever, uh, I went to college, and I was just blown away, and so I appreciated like, we, we throw out all these terms, like narcissism or ADD or... And not that some of these things aren't... I'm not saying that some of these things aren't real, but let's call them what they are. Like, for example, he said, um, you know, we were driving on the freeway, and this guy was driving crazy. Like, he was just all over the road. And his wife goes, no. He was driving selfishly and sinfully. And there's just a small example of... Not that we have to be so exact, but it was just a great example of let's just call things what they are. And sometimes we have an issue because we just don't call things what they are. And we, again, it allows us to minimize and excuse our behavior and our actions. And we can even do that with our children. So, from Jim Neuheiser's book, Help, My Anger is Out of Control, Biblical Counselor, again, Robert Jones, says, anger is our whole person's active response. This is what he's saying about anger, what it is. Anger is our whole person's active response of negative moral judgment against perceived evil. Neuheiser says, or simply, more simply, anger is an emotion which arises out of judgment. Wow. Okay, so a perceived, a perceived evil. What does perceived mean? We're making an assumption. Yes. Okay. It doesn't even have to be real, right? And God tells us in his word that, that love hopes all things. It assumes the best, right? And so we're assigning motive to other people. I was assigning motive to my children that they wanted to ruin my day. They didn't want to ruin my day, I assure you. But most of the time, they probably just want to please mommy. They're probably just confused because I'm giving them misinstructions. Or not that like that's the only reason why they do things wrong. They're sinners, right? Vipers and vapors. Um, but they, um, but we can really assign motive to people, and a lot of our anger stems from that. Um, and so I really liked um, those things. The other thing that um, you'll see in Wayne Mack's book is, um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but one of the things that he talks about is our, our denied rights. We think that we have a lot more rights than we actually do. And, um, like, I'm, yeah, so I, I won't get ahead of myself, but I thought that was really helpful. Um, the other part of it, so he said whole person. So that's our physical part. So we can, what are some physical responses that we can have to anger? What happens sometimes when we become angry? What are some things that happen? Yeah, our blood pressure goes up. Um, ulcers, so digestive disorders. 
um, can't think clearly. Um, can you guys think of anything else at the top of your head? Face can change. Yes. I remember one time I was angry and I happened to be in front of the mirror and I went, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, who is that person? Yeah. <laughs> it's like this contortion and these darts coming out of your eyes and oh, it's terrible. Yep. And our family knows that face, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, so he says biblical words for anger reflect the physical component of anger. So burning, so maybe getting hot, trembling, flaring of the nostrils. Anger can be linked to sleepless nights, loss of appetite, and digestive problems. Um, And so some examples in the Bible of this, we see in Genesis 4 or 5, we see that Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. There's just kind of like this this lull. in Exodus 32:19, Moses burned with anger as he came down the mountain and saw the golden calf and the people um, dancing. So, what are words we use for anger? Can you guys think of any? Frustration. Oh, that's a, that's probably a really super common one. I was just thinking about how we try to like you're asking what happens in our body. Like I think we can deny it. Mm-hmm. We go into denial, so we call it something else. Yeah. We call it frustration. We call it like impatience. There's a chapter in Respectable Sins, mm-hmm. which is a great book to just pick up and look at the table of contents. Like you, yeah. it's not a cover to cover read. It can be. Yeah. You can possibly look through. Read, like, yeah. Just pick a chapter and read it. Yeah. And there's one on impatience and irritability. Yeah. Irritability. Yep, I think you know, yep. but, um, we can call it what it's not. And yeah. you know, I heard somebody say, um, you know, this weekend he had someone come in and he's like, I'm frustrated. He's like, So you're angry? And he's like, No, I'm frustrated. He's like, So you're angry? And he, he kept, kept it. calling it what it actually was. And mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's even convicting. Yeah. And, you know, like you, totally. you teach your kids that, and then you say, I'm really frustrated with. And yeah. So, you mean you're angry? Yes. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Yep. Yeah. A nice cover up for us today. I feel not as disappointed. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I called Tara one day and I said, I, I, I use this word disappointed with my kids. Like, oh, I'm just disappointed in your behavior. And not that that's necessarily wrong, but I think really I knew under underneath that I was angry with them. I just hadn't quite figured it out yet and so I was asking I was like can I use it like what other words can I let them know that like their what they were their action wasn't correct right and so we worked we talked about that a little bit um but really I was just I was frustrated I was angry and so again using we we say drive me nuts my oh my husband just drives me nuts like what did he what was he thinking right or um or they drive me crazy frustrated irritated bothered disturbed Troubled, impatient, upset, disappointed, annoyed. I think annoyed's a big one because I, I, I would bet that that's probably where most of us lie. Is somewhere in there. It's not. It's again. It's just kind of like this, this cloud of annoyance, this overwhelmingness. Um, it's probably not like this full blown. Is my guess. Um, and so, again, I think it's minimized, and then we don't truly work on it and root it out. So it does not um, reverse. I have it in here somewhere, and I'll bring it up again later. But it talks about rooting out such things so that that bitterness does not take place. He tells us to be careful. Annie, you've, you've talked, and Tara brought it up, too, about frustrating our children. Well, provoking, yeah. Provoking the children. Mm-hmm. 
and them picking up on what's going on. But I remember back when my firstborn was a baby, and my husband and I had had some kind of disagreement. And she just would not settle, would not settle. And yeah. I was walking the floor with her, and it's like all of a sudden I realized that it was my yeah. food that she yeah. was picking up on. Oh, so totally. From the time they're an infant. Yeah. Because I was angry. They can read and it. And just they can read that. And that was such an example. And I was a brand new Christian at the time. But yeah. I was so thankful yeah. that God showed that to me. So I began to pray and ask him to calm my heart and right. he calmed my yeah. heart she calm. became calm and so it was just such a yeah. dramatic visual yeah. for me yeah right and we we have that like God gives us that power right he tells us that a kind word turns away wrath but also our actions right and our mood can also settle that wrath you know um, there was a um a dog that came on our property, and I don't know if you guys know this, but about a year ago we lost um, two goats to Rottweilers that came, and I just praised God that our children were not outside. Um, they attacked and killed them, and we saw. And so a, a dog came on our property the other day, or at least a man was walking through, which is very odd because of the structure of our property. And my husband came up, and he immediately said, please do not walk your dog on our property. And the man was just like, what? Like, how dare you? I mean, we have an easement, so I kind of understand his, his predicament. And my husband immediately, I have an amazing husband, he immediately read that he said the wrong thing and, um, and was able to flip it and calm things down and then explained and just said, I, I apologize. Let me start again. And it totally changed the whole thing. And then he shared, like, that his sensitivity because we had two dogs come on our property and obviously we have little children running around. We don't want random dogs running around our property. And so um, just really thankful that my husband read into that. But that's what can happen like when we recognize that our response, even if it initially starts off the wrong way, we can change it. And, and we um, can turn away someone's wrath by that. Not always, but, um, but, we can, but we're responsible for our actions, right? And so that's what God calls us to do. All right, biblical examples. Of people, and I will get to anger, so I'm just letting you guys know. All right, biblical examples of people in the Bible displaying wrong anger. Genesis 4, 6 through 8, Cain became angry with his brother and murdered him. 1 Samuel 18, 6 through 8, Saul was angry with David when they came home from the battle, and people praised, praised David. And so he was jealous of him. Both, in both situations, they were jealous. Um, and that turned into anger. Um, is is anger always wrong? No, there's a no. righteous anger too. There is a righteous anger, right? And God obviously gave us that emotion. It's not only emotion; it's a heart issue. But he he obviously gave it for a reason, right? There are things we should absolutely be angry with or about. But should we be angry about abortion? Yeah, it's wrong. Does that mean that we should harm people because we're angry over that grievous sin? No. Right? Um, and so we're going to talk about that. Biblical examples of righteous anger. Um, in Ephesians 4.26, right after it, it's right after 4.26, it tells us to not be angry. It then says, be angry and do not sin. This shows us there's a way to be angry and to not sin. Um, 
Let's look at that real quick. So Ephesians 4, 26. Can someone read that for me? angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Okay. So there it tells us that we can actually be angry and not sin. So there, and there are many times in the Bible where God is angry, right? So, um, but we know it's not in his character to sin. So if he's angry, then it is a righteous angry. Psalm 711 says, God has indignation every day. Exodus 4.14 tells us that the anger of God burned against Moses. That's, uh, I think I have, and then I think Deuteronomy 29.27 through 28 is the, um, is an example of God being angry with the Israelites. He's often angry at them. They, they often grumbled against him. Um, so even Jesus became angry. We have examples of Mark 3, 5, I'm going to zip through this because we only have like two minutes. Um, just this part right here. So Mark 3, 5 says that he was deeply grieved and became angry because of the Pharisees' hard hearts. John 2, 13 through 17, Jesus angrily drove out the sellers and money changers from the temple courts because zeal for his father's house had consumed him. In Acts 17, 19, we see that Paul's spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. 2 Corinthians 7, 7-9, Paul rebuked the church of Corinth and the people turned from their sins. So not only can Jesus be righteous and angry, um, but we're called to also be righteous and anger. Um, not necessarily all the time, but if there's something we need to to rebuke and that there's something that we're seeing um, we need to call that out but again are we exhibiting the fruit of the spirit in that or are we can exhibiting the um, fruit of the flesh so I'll go ahead and leave it there our time is up for this morning um, I think let's see real quick do I want to let me see if I want to look at something real quick just because I haven't um I'll just read these titles real quick, just not leave it off there. Um, but when is anger righteous? Righteous anger, this is from Neuhauser, Neuheiser's book. Um, righteousness is anger. Righteous anger is rare among sinners like us. Robert Jones has identified three characteristics of righteous anger. So first, righteous anger reacts against actual sin. So those against whom Jesus was angry were guilty of sinfully using God's holy temple for unholy purposes. Spurgeon writes, we do well. When we are angry with sin because of the wrong which it commits against our good and gracious God, if no sin has taken place, we have no right to be angry. For example, if we were to be angry at someone who is late because they got caught in unpredictable traffic, our anger would be unrighteous because they didn't commit any sin. Um, Second, righteous anger focuses upon God and his kingdom, rights and concerns, not on me and my kingdom, rights or my rights or concerns. Because we are sinners, we are inclined to make ourselves the center of the universe and to judge those who don't submit to our will, my children. The intensity of our anger is usually not 
in proportion to the sin against God's kingdom, but rather according to the damage we perceive to our own personal interests. In contrast, Jesus' anger against the temple merchants was motivated by a zeal for his father's house. In other words, is your anger because God didn't get what he wants or because you didn't get what you wanted? Third, righteous anger is righteously expressed even when a real sin has taken place and one thinks he is concerned for God's kingdom. Interest, anger is not righteous if it is expressed sinfully. For example, one may have righteous anger against the abortion clinic in the community because the unlawful taking of a human life is a sin against God who has made humankind in his image. But if this anger is expressed through hateful speech and violence against people and property, the anger is not righteous and does not serve the interests of God's kingdom. Um, I'll leave it there. So I just wanted to make sure to finish that little portion. Let me go ahead and pray, and then we will um, be done. God, I thank you for this morning. What a blessing it is to meet with my sisters and to be able to just consider where these things have manifested in our lives. Please prepare our hearts this morning as we um, think about how to bless others and encourage others as we're walking upstairs. And just help us to lift our eyes off of ourselves and lift them onto you and to others. And um, we just thank you for your grace towards us and how you want to reveal um, our sin in our lives so that we can become more like you and live rightly with you, but also live well with others. In your son's name, amen. Amen.